Let's pray together. Father Almighty, the gifts that you have given us through your Son, Jesus Christ, are innumerable to count. And Lord, we, um, we recognize that even as we sit here today, Lord, in your midst, Lord, how minuscule we are in the midst of all creation. Lord, in the midst of your greatness and your beauty. Lord, just to know, know the eternal significance of the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, it doesn't even really seep into our minds and into our spirits. We try each, each year, Father, to celebrate and to, to, um, to give you the proper honor for the gift that you've given us. And Lord, we always seem to fall short to its true beauty, to its true eternity. So Lord, forgive us when we miss that mark. But Father, I pray that as we lift up the voices of our, of our hearts, of our spirits to you in gratitude and thanks, Lord, as we recognize the life and the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, as being something that has perpetuated us eternally to be with you. Lord, as we sit in this place, as we've taken the time to come and be in your presence and the presence of others, I pray, Father, that you honor that, that you receive that as an offering as one that's given to you a sacrifice of our lives, of our time. A sacrifice, Lord, of our um, Lord, of just what's convenient to be in your midst. As we study your word this morning, Lord, I just pray that you continue to speak into us, that you fill us with your love, that you fill us with your eternal word, that you fill us with your wisdom. Lord, that we return to our homes from this place, Lord, filled more, Lord, with you than we were whenever we arrived. That every conversation that we have in this place is one that honors you, that glorifies you. Lord, that every song we sing is lifted up to you, not sung for our own pleasure, not sung for, um, for ourselves, but sung to you, Lord, as people that are here to worship you. We give our lives, we give you this time, we give you this space. Lord, speak to us now, we pray. In Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Well, good morning again. Feels like we were just all together not too long ago, a couple of days ago, hasn't it? It's good to see uh, some folks back with us, uh, and it's good to see that uh, some people that are feeling better after being sick, which is always good. Um, I have a question. I actually had thought to do a, a children's message this morning, but I really wasn't sure how many kids were going to show up. So this question is actually for, for the kids. Uh, parents, don't answer this. Do you guys know what this is? 
You know what this is? A newspaper? Is that what you said? Oh my goodness. That's right. It is a newspaper. You know what? Before mom and dad were getting their news on Facebook, they had to use this. They had to, we had to actually like pick one of these up at the, at the local store and read the news. And it was usually old news because what they had printed in it was something that had happened several hours before. It wasn't current. It wasn't what was going on right now. But um, again, another question for the kids. If you see a newspaper, what kind of headlines would you think you would see on the top? Do you think it's good news or bad news? What's that? Breaking news? You're right. Breaking news? Man, you got a, you got a future right there. Breaking news. What do you think? I see you hiding back there. Good news or bad news normally? Good? All right. Well, this morning, this is the news from the Knox News Sentinel, and it says, <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't plan this, I promise you. Headline, U.S. houses of worship struggle to rebuild attendance after the COVID-19 pandemic. Couldn't make that up. Mostly, most of the time, unfortunately, we read bad news. You know, the, the good news just doesn't sell. People don't pick up the newspaper to read good news. In fact, you may recognize that over time there have been headlines over in the newspapers that seem to resonate with us I guess as a culture and some of you I'm going to show you a couple of these some of you are old enough to remember a few of these um, when the Titanic sunk I'm not going to you don't you don't have to stand up if you remember that <laughs> but I know there's a couple of you so and I mean terrible news terrible news. I mean you know when the when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor you know, these headlines that we still see, we can remember them from the history books. This terrible news that would show up in the headlines. Now, this particular one I do remember. I remember sitting in my uh, elementary school class and remember uh, actually watching the space shuttle take off. We had gathered all of our classes together around the television to watch the Challenger take off. And when, this, uh, when the Challenger exploded, the teacher was just like, ugh, and turned it off. And then the next day, this headline came, came out of the newspaper. And of course, most all of us here, except for the really young ones, remember this headline that came out the day uh, on 9-12-2001. It's usually bad news. Bad news sells. Bad news is what people, somehow we're, we're always drawn to bad news for some reason. And the newspaper recognizes it and they, they sell many copies because of the bad news. And sometimes they try to find the worst news that they possibly can so that they can sell newspapers. On occasion, though, there are some good news headlines like, hey, when the war was over, World War II, VE Day, victory in Europe, the war was over. And of course, there's a few ones that are stuck kind of in the, uh, in the back of the newspaper like, like this one. The dog owner, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a little bit of good news here and there. I'm sorry for all you cat people. <laughs> we do often hope for a little good news. I, I believe I remember uh, singer Ann Murray sang a song called, Sure Could Use a Little Good News Today. 
just always bombarded with bad news. You pick up the paper, you look on social media, um, you turn on the television. The te- and, and even while we were praying, I'm not sure, I'm sure probably everybody here, it sounded like the emergency broadcast system was going off in here somewhere. I don't know if that was an amber alert or if that was a test or whatever it was, but it's just like there's always, always we're just bombarded all the time with bad news. Sure could use a little good news. We know on the night that Jesus was born, there was some good news. There was some good news to tell. And we read about that good news in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Now you might think, well, this seems we're on a post-Christmas time. Now why are we talking about a Christmas theme? Well, the point is that because when Jesus was born, it wasn't just good news at the moment he was born. It continued to be good news. And and the angels, as they were continuing to go out and herald this good news, it, it was one thing that they had to had to make sure that they got out to the communities, to the regions around them. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, it says that when Jesus was born, there were shepherds that were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. From here to proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who's the Messiah, the Lord. Now, for them then, and even for us today, we say, that's good news. And you look at the words that the angels said whenever they proclaimed this good news, and it was these three things. Jesus is born, he's born with these three titles. He's Savior, he's Messiah, And he's Lord. This is good news. And it was for who? For all people. For all people. Now this proclamation of good news, uh, as you probably have heard it say, is is equal to the term that we call gospel. The gospel is the good news. But there was a a specific word that was used in Greek, and I'm going to try not to butcher this, but the specific word that was used in Greek was... Evangeliso. Evangeliso. And that specifically means, is, is, this is not a noun of good news, this is actually a verb. So it included the verb to tell and good news. The proclamation of good news. Now this particular term in Greek is used no less than 15 times in the New Testament. Now, it may be worded a little bit different in each one of our translations. It may be to tell the good news, to proclaim the good news, to tell the gospel, to share the gospel, to proclaim the gospel. But if you go back and you look at the actual Greek term that's used in each one of these passages, it uses the same Greek term. To tell, to proclaim the good news. That Jesus Christ is Savior He's Messiah, and He is Lord. Now we read that today, and we go, man, that really was good news. And then we turn again to something else, another phone call that we receive, something that we read on social media, like, oh, that's good news. Somebody calls us and tells us that somebody's feeling better after they've been ill. And you're like, oh, that's such good news. 
And all of a sudden, we lose in the midst of our culture and language, we lose the impact of what was good news then for all the people and the good news now that we say, well, that's, that's good also. You see, you always hear it say that truth is relative. Have you ever heard that term, truth is relative? Truth is relative to whoever it's, is bearing the truth. And you always hear that, well, what is true for me may not be true for you. You hear people talk about that specifically in faith and religion. They're like, well, you can believe this, but I believe that. And what's true for me may not be true for you, but we'll just leave it at that. Well, the problem is that can't be true. Because if my faith tells me that my faith is the only way and your faith tells you that your faith is the only way, one of us, to one of us, it's not true. Well, just as truth is relevant, goodness is also relevant. You see, what may be good to one person may not be so good to another person. We um, were out two or three nights ago looking at Christmas lights with the kids. And um, Indra had pulled up a list of all of these Christmas lights around town. Um, they were supposed to be these fantastic Christmas shows, these, these Christmas light shows. So we're driving around all of Knoxville looking for Christmas light shows. And we get to this one house, and I'm, to say that it was lackluster, I'm just going to we'll say that. It was, not, it was not the greatest Christmas light show I have I have ever seen. However, we drove up, we parked just like everybody else, and we stayed on the sidewalk. And as they were playing this Christmas light show, and the Christmas lights were blinking to these songs, and the song that came on was this song from The Greatest Showman, and it's just called The Greatest Show. I don't know if you've heard that song or not, but the title of the song is The Greatest Show, and they continue to say The Greatest Show over and over again. And we're sitting there listening, and Ender and I are kind of making jokes to ourselves back and forth, and all of a sudden, Aston in the back seat, who's five, looks out across the lights and he goes, this song keeps saying this is the greatest show, but this is not the greatest show. <laughs> and we just belly laughed for like five minutes. You know, what's good for one person is not always good for another. I can tell my kids over and over again that Brussels sprouts are good. That asparagus is good. Spinach is good. Chicken livers are good. Oh, come on. Yeah. We got some chicken liver fans. And they say, I beg to differ. Chicken livers are not good. Neither are eating your greens. So if someone was going to call something good, specifically in Scripture, and the angels were going to stand before a group of shepherds and tell them that I'm telling you good news for all people, it must be something extremely significant. Because if it's something that's good for everyone, then it has to be universally good. Otherwise, it would have been good for some and not good for others. And some of the shepherds would have said, eh, it's good for me, but it's not good for you. I'm going to hang back here with the sheep. You go and see the king. You know, Scripture gives us a clear picture of what is good. And as we look through Scripture references, we start 
in Genesis 1, before we even get very far into Scripture altogether. We see that after God had created all that he had created on day six, he looks out across everything that he made and he said, it's very good. The psalmist in chapter 34, verse 8, says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then Isaiah, Isaiah in chapter 52, verse 7 How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the herald who proclaim peace, who brings good news of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Over and over and over, we read from Scripture this description of good. And as we see good, as we see goodness as what was listed in Scripture, it's always connected to God. It's either what God made, it's either what God said, it's either a characteristic of God, it could be a work of God, it could be the fact that God reigns as king. So anytime we read in Scripture of goodness, it's connected with something that has to do with God. So if we were to hope for, I guess, a benchmark of goodness, then we have to recognize that that benchmark in Scripture was God himself. You see, in the Jewish culture, they didn't throw around even a simple word like good. They didn't have something to eat and say, oh man, that's good, or that's terrible. Or that's good, and that's not. They didn't throw around a a simple word like good. In fact, that word, good, was reserved for God himself. His work, his words, his reign. So now we can see when the angels stood before the shepherds and they said I'm bringing to you good news they didn't stand up and say look guys I'm bringing you better than average news I'm bringing you better news than you got yesterday I'm bringing you the news good news no one recognized God's goodness more than his son Jesus Christ. There's two instances in the Gospels, uh, excuse me, there's one instance in the Gospel where a rich young ruler comes and stands before Jesus. And the story of this particular interaction uh, that we take away from it is about, uh, is about the rich young ruler that stands in front of Jesus and he asks, um, he asks, what commands must he follow to be in good standing with God, to reach eternal life? And as you know, the story goes that Jesus tells him, well, you end up having to sell all that you own and, and uh, give to the poor, and then you will, and follow me, and then you will have eternal life. But what comes before that is the way that the rich young ruler addresses Jesus. 
And it's one of the parts in that story that we constantly look over. We kind of read over pretty quick. And I want to include two interpretations of this instance. It's in two of the Gospels, and they're worded a little bit different. But I believe that was intentional. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 18... Matthew records it this way. Just then, someone came up and asked Jesus, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Jesus' response, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. What good do I do? Jesus' response was, there's only one who does good. There's only one whose work is good, and that's God himself. And then in the Gospel of Mark, it's recorded this way. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, he knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher. So now this man, in the way that Mark records it, it wasn't that the man asked what good should he do, he actually addresses Jesus as good. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, before he gives his response, he says, first, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. You see, in both of these accounts, Jesus has taken what was good and goodness and related it directly to the eternal Father. He said, no work is better than His. No characteristic is better than His. No title is better than His. The benchmark for goodness lies in God alone. In a sense, you can almost get, uh, you can almost read, especially in this second account, As this man calls Jesus good, you see this equality with God. Jesus is going, are you making me equal with God? I think Jesus was hoping that he would have said, yes, I am. Only God is good. Jesus proclaims that goodness, biblically, was synonymous with God. So good news, as the angels would have proclaimed it, that would have been the news. This is eternal news. This is the only good news. I think it's almost applicable to say that good news is the same as God news. Because no matter when you read it, no matter when you, uh, when you hear this story of the angels proclaiming good news, of, of those 15 plus times in Scripture that the good news is proclaimed, it's always relating to God, to His salvation, to His saving works, to His characteristics, to His perfection. And that's why the gospel message is good. 
because it's perfect. Because it's eternally connected to the goodness of God the Father. I'm here to tell you good news for all the people. For all time. No one can ever stand and go, that news is good, but I've got better news. There's no such thing as better news than the good news of Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing, there's no such thing as anything better than God alone. This morning, as we commune together, I want us to recognize in ourselves, and, and I'll be honest, whenever I'm studying through some of these things, it makes me want to change my vocabulary. It makes me want to change the way I say things. And if not, it at least makes me want to think that every time that I say, mmm, that's good, that I think of the one who's good. And that's what I hope for you as well. That every time we use the word good, it's not something that just rolls off of our tongue that, hey, this is better than average. Hey, this is better than that. That what immediately pops into our heart is, yeah, this food is tasty, but God is good. And the gospel message is good. It's eternally good. That's because the good news is God news. That good news culminated into a life. Culminated into a death. A burial. A resurrection. So that what was good for all the people at his birth would be good for all the people for eternity. When Jesus stood before his disciples and he held up the bread and he broke it, he wasn't expecting that this was going to be a one and done meal and that his disciples were going, hey, this is... This is good. When he stood before his disciples with the cup and he said, this is a new covenant in my blood, he never expected for them to say, hey, this is good for today. Jesus expected that what was good then was going to be handed down generation after generation after generation. The good news was going to be on their lips. The good news was going to be on their hearts. The good news of his existence, the good news of his death, his burial, his resurrection. The good news that you and I are now right with God because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The good news that we no longer have to pay the penalty of our sins. The good news that that's all forever. It's eternal good news.
God news. All of those things connected with the eternal Father. For all the people. For all time. Father, I pray that as we take this meal this morning. Lord, that we were reminded of the good news. The perfect news. In our language, Lord, we feel sometimes that good is not satisfy the depth of what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. We feel like there should be a, a more extravagant, a, a, a $10 word for what you have done. The truth is, Lord, there are no words. There are no words that can explain, that can complement the work that you have done. Therefore, we'll rely on good. The goodness of our Father. The goodness of a sacrificial son. The goodness of a perfect plan. The goodness of the renewal, the resurrection of mankind. Lord, as we take this meal this morning, I pray that we receive this message into our hearts. Lord, as we use the word good from this point forward, where we hear good news, we, even though we may slip up and say those words, Lord, that the concept of goodness continues to well up in our hearts. And that we give you a silent word of praise and say, while this thing in our lives, while we call it good, Lord, you alone are good. Good news for all the people. Your Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Messiah, our Lord. It's in his name we pray. It's in his name we thank you. Amen. Let's eat together.